Good morning. Good morning, brother. So good to see all of you here today, and uh, it's not raining, which is always good. It seems like we were, it was raining every day, and uh, and speaking of rain, hopefully our work uh, over here will continue. It's looking better, and uh, so that's coming along, and in conjunction with that, we have our pancake breakfast. And if you don't like pancakes, you can go ahead and leave now. Uh, but we're having pancakes Wednesday morning and uh, from 7.30 to 9.30 with our big payback. And so we pray for success so that we can continue uh, to restore and renovate and uh, to be good stewards of this building. Uh, there's been uh, a little deferred maintenance over the, the, a few years, and so we're hoping to catch up. And uh, we continue to catch up, and we're grateful for all of the generosity and for all of the hard work that many of you have done. We're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 5. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. And uh, before we get into it and launch into the text, I want us to think about everybody's favorite thing, uh, going to the doctor. Isn't that just the funnest? When you get to go to the doctors, it's, it's up there with going to the dentist, isn't it? We just love going to the doctor. And, and that's something that I'm actually getting used to because there wasn't a health plan for a struggling musician living some kind of bohemian lifestyle back years ago. So I just didn't go to the doctor. And uh, now I'm having to try to figure that out going to the doctor, but I'm reminded of a story of a man who went to the doctor with his wife, and the doctor was examining the man, and then he took the man's wife over to the side and started talking to him, talking to her, and said, well, I'm afraid he's not going to make it unless you treat him like a king Wait on him hand and foot, be at his beck and call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so he doesn't have to do anything for himself because he has a very sensitive heart. And so on the way home, the man said, well, what did did the doctor tell you? Uh, He was concerned. And so the wife said, well, that you're not going to make it. (laughs) Going to the doctor and our health is so crucial and important, isn't it? In fact, one person once said, Albert Schweitzer, happiness is nothing more than good health and a bad memory. When we feel well, when we have our vitality, when we have our health, it's everything, isn't it? And there's really only one thing more valuable than our health, and that's our soul, our eternal soul. Another person put it like this, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. And I wish I would have practiced that in my younger years. I wish I would have thought of myself in that way, that this is the only place I've got to live. And so how am I going to treat it? What do you do when you get home? Do you go home and tear up your house? But yet so many times in our self-destructive ways, we live in these bodies and we don't treat them with the care and the dignity 
that they need and that they deserve. We do not see them in light of God's creation. We need healing sometimes, don't we? Our bodies need healing. And let me tell you, all healing is God's healing. Whatever healing that you have experienced in your life, it is because of who? Because God designed you in such a way that your body restores itself. Your body heals itself. And isn't it amazing when you see your body being cured? How many times have you witnessed your body heal itself? How many times? How many times have you seen your skin regenerate, your bones mend? Or how many times have you seen it in other people's lives? Healing happens. And sometimes we focus on singular events where there is no healing and forget about the many ways, the myriad of ways that God has healed us over our lifetime and in others. All healing is God's healing Just like all truth is God's truth. If something is true, it's because of God. The truth of rationality, when things make sense, it's because God is a God of reason, of rationality. He's not the author of confusion. Just like all truth is God's truth, all goodness is God's goodness. When we experience something good, it is because God is the locus, the originator, the progenitor of that good. All good gifts and all perfect gifts come from the Father of lights, in whom is no variables nor shadow of turning. So all healing is God's healing. It says in Psalms 41.3, The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness thou healest all his infirmities. And the one promise that we do have as Christians is that one day, every affliction, every infirmity, and even death will be conquered through Christ. That whatever our situation is health-wise today, it's not our eternal destiny. That actually there is healing for all of us, no matter what. Our circumstances are. And that brings us to the story of Naaman. Our lesson today is about a man who needed healing in his body. And he came to Elisha, the great prophet of the Most High God. And Elisha had been the understudy of Elijah. He even wore the mantle of Elijah. And he had asked for a double portion of the Spirit of God. And he worked many profound. Uh, powerful miracles, many signs. And so this man Naaman came to Elisha for healing. Look at 2 Kings 5 with me, and I want you to look at verse 1 with me. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. When it gives this description of Naaman, he was this man of honor, a man of valor. He's he's looked upon by his master as pleasing. He's successful, isn't he? He's commanded the army of Syria. He has men 
under his command. But then it says, but he is a leper. Leprosy is mentioned in the Bible in the Old Testament some 55 times, 13 times in the New Testament. And it probably represented a wide array of skin problems. But in today's time, we look at leprosy and God's legislation called for people to be quarantined in that case because it would protect the rest of the, of the congregation. But leprosy is debilitating, it's disfiguring, and one of the actual ironies of leprosy is, is that it actually takes your sensation away from you. That people with advanced leprosy are unable to feel because leprosy destroys the nerve endings. So lepers... And in advanced stages, feel no pain. They don't feel anything at all. They have no sensation in their extremities. And many times, they lose that sensation. There's even stories of lepers who go to sleep and rats eating their flesh without them even knowing about it. But doesn't that kind of ring true about Naaman's life and our own life? Not that you're a leper, but that everything is going for you. That you that you you think you got everything figured out. That whether it be professionally, whether it be at home, things are going well, and then all of a sudden there is that but he's a leper. That no matter what in our lives we find that we can achieve some success at work. But there's something wrong at home. Or maybe we achieve something at work and then there's something wrong with our health. Or then we find that there's something uh, wrong at church or, or right at church, but then there's something wrong with our children. Have you ever noticed how, how we try so hard to get ahead and to be successful and to accomplish all these things, but yet there's always that but in our lives. But he was a leper. He had... It all, but he had this terrible, debilitating disease. We live in a fallen world, don't we? One of spiritual entropy, where things move from order to chaos because of sin and suffering and death. And no matter how accomplished, no matter how ambitious, no matter how meticulous, no matter even if we're good, we fall prey to the fallen nature of this world. It says in Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. We live in this fallen world. I'm reminded of that man at, at the pool of Bethesda who was lame for 38 years, and he was laying by this pool waiting for healing waters and around with other people. And when Jesus came to the man, he asked him a very direct question. And it was a very audacious question, considering the circumstances. He asked the man, do you want to be made well? I imagine that question at the hospital I work at. 
Can you imagine going into a hospital room where someone is suffering, where someone is hurting, where someone's wanting relief, where someone is wanting healing, and then you ask them, do you want to be well? Of course! Of course we want to be well. But healing is a process and we have to begin that process. Do you want to be well? Do you want to overcome the affliction that's in your life? Do you want to overcome the sin that is in your life? Do you want to overcome the pride and the emptiness that can be in our lives? Do you want to be well? Even Jesus asks us that question. We find that there's an answer in this story. Look at verses 2 and following. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in, told his master, saying, Thus and thus has said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Isn't it interesting where the answer comes from? Here is this man of power. Here is this man of prestige. And where does the answer come from? It comes from the servant girl. It comes from a humble place. And so, Naaman has to humble himself to receive that from the servant girl. You know, the answer to our predicament resides in a humble place. It resides with Christ. It says of Jesus in Philippians 2.6, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. If you want to find an answer, it comes from a humble place. It comes from the humblest and lowest hill. The hill of Calvary. It is in the darkest place that we find the light. But what does Naaman try to do? He tries to see things through an earthly perspective. Is what we always do, don't we? We always kind of revert back to how the world works. And that's what he does. Instead of thinking the answer's with the prophet or it's with God, look at what happens. He thinks it's about money. Verse 5, So the king of Syria says, Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. If you're going to get healed, what's it going to take? It's going to take some money. And that's what we always think, Right? If there's a problem in this world, what do we do? What does Washington do? They start throwing money at it. And we think money cures everything. Haven't you ever had that discussion? Well, you know what? If I just had two million, you know what? I think I'd be all right. I think things would be all right. I think things, I think that would be enough. And we hear that conversation that money is somehow the answer to our unfulfillment. It might be one less worry, but it doesn't provide fulfillment, does it? 
But that's not all. Naaman also came to, instead of the prophet, he went to the king of Israel. He went to a man of power. He thought the answer was not only with wealth, but he thought it was with another man of power. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter and he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? This man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. The king of Israel knew his limitations, didn't he? It doesn't matter how much money you bring. And some have estimated that this amount of money was somewhere in upwards of a million dollars. Naaman's got a million dollars in his back pocket and he's trying to get healed. And he comes to the Israel, to the king, and the king of Israel's like, why are you coming to me and my God? I can't cure this. I can't cure leprosy. I don't have the answer. Sometimes we think other people have the answer, don't we? That people of power, that people of privilege, the people of education have the answer. But ultimately, the answer only comes from God. But then we see that Naaman goes to the prophet Elisha, and it says in verse 9 and 10, that Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha, standing at the door of Elisha's house. You know, sometimes we stop at the door, don't we? That we want to get right with God. We want to find that fulfillment. We want to find that purpose. We want to find that meaning. But we stop at the door. But we've got to go in. We've got to find the prophet just as Naaman did. And listen to what happens. The answer to his predicament, the answer to his problem. Verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. How many of you know what he's, what he's asking for? Is that difficult to understand? Go wash in the Jordan seven times, that's all you got to do. Never mind the money. Never mind the king. All you got to do is go to the river and dip seven times and you're healed. If you have leprosy, wouldn't you want to jump in the river? But there's always that explanation. There's always us trying to get our minds around it. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he surely will come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. The method that the, that the prophet gave him wasn't good enough. Can you imagine that? Going to the doctor and the doctor saying, here, take this medicine. And you're saying, well, that's not, I actually like it in capsule form. No, we take the medicine, don't we? We want to get better. But Naaman has a problem with the methodology. And not only that, he said, well, what about the other rivers? Abana or Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, they're better rivers. Why wouldn't you just send me down to one of those? Those are prettier rivers. Hey, something other than the Cumberland. <laughs> Might catch a catfish. His initial response was... I want to do it my own way. And why do we keep doing that? 
Why do we keep going back to our way when it's never worked before? And thank goodness he has wise counsel and his servants came near and spoke to him, My father, if the prophet would have told you something great, would you have not done it? Because it defied your expectations, because it wasn't how you thought you should do it, because it's God's way, you can't accept it. And finally he came to his senses and he got in the river, he washed seven times, and then his skin was healed. Doing it God's way. Wash and be clean. The fact of the matter is, is that we all suffer from spiritual leprosy. And it may not be seen on the outer surface. It may not disfigure the face, but it disfigures the soul. And it happens to all of us. Our hearts become hardened. And just as the lepers that lose sensation in their limbs and in their feet, we lose the sensation of our conscience when we live in sin. We become hardened of heart. And we lose that sensibility of what is good and evil. And that spiritual leprosy takes hold of our lives. And we need healing. Every one of us. Every one of us needs, needs God's healing hand in our life. I'll leave you with a story that I've told here before about the great journalist Malcolm Muggeridge who had lived a life of hedonism. And if you read his writings, he has just the command of the English language but he was stationed in India doing a news report. And he went down to the river to swim in the river. And he saw a woman off in the distance bathing. And she was naked. And so he began to swim to the woman. And he thought about his wife, Kitty. And there were other times in his life where he was tempted, but he hadn't crossed the line, but he began to swim faster and faster, trying to outswim his conscience. And as he got to the woman, he, he looked at her and she turned around and she was toothless. She was aged. And she was a leper. And he was horrified. And he began to curse the woman inside of his mind and inside of his heart. He, disgusted because it wasn't what he wanted and as he swam back he realized that his heart was leprous that his heart was lecherous because he was doing something he shouldn't do his evil heart had looked at that woman and had objectified her and he was going to cross all the lines that you shouldn't cross and there he hated that woman when really it was his heart that was destroying him. All of us suffer from that. All of us suffer. And we need to wash and be cleansed. The Bible says that if we come to faith in Christ, that we begin to be cleansed of that sin. That when we repent of our sins, and we turn from them, and confess Jesus to be the Son of the living God, it says that if we're baptized, if we're immersed, if we go wash then we will be cleansed. 
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just as Naaman needed to wash and be cleansed of his, of his leprosy, we have to wash and be cleansed of that sin that's within us. And if we take an honest look at ourselves, we know it's there. And it says, And why tarriest thou? Why wait? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. And not only do we receive healing in that moment of all the sins that we've ever created and ever done, God promises to continually cleanse us as we walk with Him. And He heals us of that fear. He heals us of that worry. He heals us of resentment, of hate, of guilt, of shame, of hopelessness, of depression, of self-hatred and sin. God cleanses us from that. And we can say confidently, by His stripes, we are healed. Do you need healing this morning? Either of spiritual or a physical. We stand ready to assist you. If you need to be baptized, we will certainly do that this hour. Or if you need prayers, we will pray with you for spiritual or physical healing. If you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.